Hi, I'm Katherine Flashner, and welcome to The Truth Is, a podcast dedicated to speaking the truth, the truth of who we are, what we experience, and what we dream of. Our goal here is twofold. The first order of business is to unpack why we historically and in so many spaces today don't speak our truth. Why do we hide who we really are? Why do we doubt what we go through? Why do we hesitate to take up more space in the world? From that awareness, we'll next discover what happens when we do share our truthful stories. What happens to us, those around us, and to our community at large? My hope is that you will walk away from these conversations with a sense of strength and responsibility to speak more boldly at home, at work, and in all facets of your life. Welcome to The Truth Is. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Truth Is. In San Francisco, we're experiencing a heat wave and... I don't have air conditioning. So here we are. My mom's actually in town this week to see me in a play that I'm in. And it is the first time I've been in a production on stage since high school. (laughs) So it's been, oh God, over a decade since I've done a play. And so today I wanted to talk about my experience of being new at something and all of the vulnerability and nakedness and at times terror, but ultimately satisfaction that has come with it. And I want to lay out a couple key lessons I've learned throughout the process. I've learned what it means to revisit deeply meaningful things and dreams that we perhaps had when we were younger that we we lost hold of for however many years. I've learned that if you're going to do something new, you have to be new at it. Said another way, you have to be bad at it, sometimes in front of people. I'm learning how important it is to not compare yourself to anyone else in the arena that your path is your own. I'm learning that when your attention isn't on you and it's on other people, you're less likely to be in your head judging yourself. I've learned to stay open to the unexpected when you're trying something you never know what pathways will open up. And above all, I've learned that your dreams matter what you're passionate about, what's in your heart matters, and the world wants it and needs it. So without further ado, let's get into this. And my hope is that as I reflect on my experience returning to acting and returning to my love of theater and the purpose I found in theater, yeah, that it acts as a mirror to say, hey, what's that thing for you? that maybe you lost hold of, that is worthy of being brought back into your life and into the world. 
So lesson number one, the difference between finding hobbies and revisiting what is in your heart. I remember my return to theater started in 2019. So gosh, three going on almost four years ago. Here's a couple things I want to say about it. (laughs) This is what I remember so vividly. You know, I fell in love with theater when I was in high school. Gosh, it overtook me at the end of high school. I was a part of a play where we learned a type of theater, which I would call documentary style theater. There's an amazing playwright and actress, Anna DeVere Smith, that does this masterfully, and she has for decades. And what we did was we interviewed refugee families and individuals living in my hometown, Buffalo, New York, and we used the exact verbatim down to the ums and the uhs of those interviews to piece together our script, which told the stories of these refugees living in Buffalo. And the the play was called The Refugee Project, Unheard Stories from a Hidden Population. I had the privilege to tell the stories of a man who was a lost boy of Sudan in the 80s. So he was a refugee from Sudan that ended up, you know, through years of refugee camps, you know, fleeing his country, he ended up in Buffalo, New York, and created a whole new life for himself. The privilege of holding his stories and sharing them completely overtook me. I ended up working with refugee nonprofits in Buffalo and ended up going to college to study politics and film completely because of that project. And over the decade, you know, stayed close to theater as I could and then opportunities took me elsewhere professionally. All that to say, for me, it was always in the background, maybe in my subconscious, but it was always there. And I remember very specifically in 2018, it would have been around the holidays, usually like, gosh, the day after Christmas or Thanksgiving, the women in my family would go to the the movies. And it was right when Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women came out. And I go see it with my sisters and my mom. And it's a very weird emotional experience for me at the time because I'm like so in awe of the piece and I'm captivated and enjoying it just as my sisters are. But underneath it, there's this like deep nagging sadness. And it's hard for me to articulate. Long story short, I end up coming home and I'm isolating myself. I'm like feeling that deep nagging sadness and I was sitting in the room in my parents house we call the zen den and I'm sitting there alone and my little sister comes in and it was like it's gonna make me cry she was like she looked at me and she said there's no reason it's not you up there doing that and like all the tempting responses right to be like how absurd why would I ever be in a movie like that, da 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 da. But it was almost like my sister was like not allowing for any of that and just cutting right through on like a spiritual, soulful level. There's no reason you're not doing that. And for me, that was a shift to really looking at why am I not doing this thing? And actually the accountability of I'm the only reason. I'm not doing this thing. I remember around the same time, 
I read a book and I, I remember this specific idea from an author named Robin Sharma. And he said something to the effect of, you know, well, you'll get to your, the end of your life inevitably. And you probably will have achieved many things and you'll be at the top of a mountain and you'll look down and say, look at me, I've climbed this mountain. What you don't want to have happen is that you're up there and you say, I've climbed this mountain, but oh shit, it was the wrong mountain. (laughs) And so that process, gosh, any astrology people, for me, it was, I was in that Saturn's return which my understanding of is all the shit you haven't dealt with in your first 30 years on the planet is going to come back up. And yeah, you got to face it before you, I don't know, hit, hit the next chapter of adulthood, something like that. And so this came up and for me, it was an invitation to reclaim what was most important to me from an early age. It was big and daunting to look at, but I think your life is deserving of being big and daunting. And so as I reflect on, you know, I'll get into conversations with people about, oh, I want to find hobbies, you know. For me, I have my acting, my podcasting is, is hobbies, if you will, but I think it's a deeper opportunity than that. It's so beautiful to go find something new to do and you'll learn about yourself inevitably, but... What I want to say today is it's worth looking at what were those things, are those things that have made me feel most alive and maybe they feel far away and like I don't know how I'll ever get to them and I'm here to say you don't have to worry about what the long term looks like, what can you do today, try today to bring them back into your life. So yes, find hobbies, but revisit what's in your heart. What the tipping point was there for me is I ended up finding an acting school in San Francisco. And gosh, this brings me to lesson number two, which is if you're going to do something new, you have to be new at it. Gosh, I felt so awkward and vulnerable and insecure you know, reaching out to the school, interviewing, auditioning, joining the school. And man, if I haven't learned, that is so much a part of it. And so my reflection number two is if you're going to do something new, you have to be new at it. And at times you have to be bad at it. And so as my journey continued, I went back to acting school and I've now been in three different acting programs over the last three plus years. And I've studied closely with two teachers in the Bay Area and have learned so much about myself and have started to craft this toolkit. And I went from, you know, really under my breath saying like, oh yeah, I'm taking an acting class. It's it's just something for fun to more seriously saying I'm I'm taking, I'm studying acting, I'm taking acting classes to, gosh, now I find myself in a play for the first time and am finally trying on I'm an actor. So it takes time. In terms of needing to be new and needing to be at times bad at something, I remember, I remember so vividly my teacher, Melissa, who I've studied with at Empowerhouse Acting Studio School in Berkeley, California for two plus years. 
she, I remember her saying, hey, you're not supposed to be good at it. You're in acting school. And for me, this process of doing something new again and being new at something again was such a confrontation with my perfectionism, which has served me so well over the years. You know, I remember very similarly when I went to study to become a yoga teacher, also in 2019, let Saturn's return, I'll get you, I'm telling you, a lot, lot comes up and it's an opportunity for change. I went back to a yoga teacher training in 2019. I remember the first weekend of like a six-month journey. It was the end of the weekend and we had like stood up and tried to teach a class and God, was it messy. I didn't know the poses. I didn't know anything. You know, and they piled the pressure on to kind of set the tone. And I remember at the end we sat in a circle and one of my teachers, Joshua Lundell, said, does anyone have anything they want to clear with the group? And I had the biggest freaking lump in my throat. And I was like, you got to just say it. And I raised my hand and I was like, I have to clear that I feel I am being really hard on myself is what I said. And he said, well, what does that feel like? And I remember saying, it feels like I'm not supposed to be here. Whew. And man, has that come up is I've gone back to this acting thing and explored this acting thing. You know, what I'm getting to is I got cast in a play, which I'm doing right now, and I remember getting cast in this play and walking into the first rehearsal, and the director said, you're going to need to send a bio in. And I was like, what the heck am I going to write in a bio? I haven't done a play since high school. And just that fear of, I'm new at this. Everyone's going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. What I'm finding over time is that is just part of it. And the ability to see I'm scared, I'm vulnerable, I'm new, I don't know what I'm doing, to feel all those things and then also say I'm new at this and I believe in myself and I can do it. It's like to move forward knowing you're scared is what courage is. You know, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's moving forward in spite of it and with it. And so that's what I'm continuing to learn. The last thing I want to say on this capacity to be new at something and be bad at it, whatever bad looks like, my director right now, Norman G., in the play I'm in, in Point Richmond, California, at the Maskers Playhouse, you know, in the heat of getting ready for our opening night, and we're in a place where we're trying to get our lines down and really know the ins and outs of each scene, and he said something that stuck with me. He was like, when you feel like you're flailing, <laughs> you're a mess on stage, that's when your brain is going to connect new things together and make sense of it all. And so it's almost like the mess is part of it. And so I love this idea of flail, flail famously and own it because it's part of it and it's courageous and it's so masterful. You're not supposed to be good at it. You're new at it. And that brings me to reflection number three, 
which is there's simply no room for comparison. It's your path. You know, as I came back to my passion for acting and my little sister got me out of that funk after watching Little Women and I put myself kind of just on the small commitment, you know what, I'm going to reach out to a acting school and, and, and take that first step. I've spent so many hours since then Wikipediaing, it's a verb, right? Wikipediaing actresses as I watch them. And I just, right away, I clock like, how old were they when they got their first part? What was their training? Did they grow up in LA? Did they go to Juilliard? Did they go to Tisch at NYU? And it's like helpful research, but nobody is going to have the exact story that I do. And for me personally, it's like, Yes, I'm revisiting this thing. These other parts of me, the part of me that went to business school and has a career in corporate America, they don't go away. They're all part of it. And I had to really trust that I'm going to do it differently and I'm going to do it my way. And that's a work in progress. But man, to compare, there's just no point in it and it's not worth the energy. The energy that I've spent comparing myself to Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie and all these amazing actors I look up to could have been spent just appreciating them and their performances and then making the most of what I have right in front of me, the acting class I have tonight and this week and and trusting that it's going to unfold the way it should. Okay, reflection number four. When your attention isn't on you, you can't be in your head. This is a really good one. And I've, I've learned it a lot from my teacher, Jeremy Paris, who leads a workshop in San Francisco called the Starfish Workshop. And he's taught me a lot about the cool thing about acting as it relates to real life and the type of acting I study is the most powerful you can be is just in the moment with your partner, you know, not thinking about, oh, I should seem sad right now. Let me, let me try to work up some tears, but just being with the person in front of you, your scene partner, maybe it's the audience, whoever it is. And if I'm putting my attention on them I'm going to live in the moment and live truthfully and let life unfold. It also relates to our tendency, my tendency to want to control everything. And so in moments where I'm on stage or in an acting exercise where I feel myself being self-conscious and I'm like, oh God, what do I look like? Am I sweating? This is embarrassing. I'm not funny. Comedy is really hard for me. I'm not funny. It's, it's me focusing on me and it's complete liberation when I can see those thoughts start to spin and say, okay, let me shift my attention to someone out here to connect with. So that's been level one. A second level of it for me, and it is such an ego check, is who is this for and who am I serving? When I did that play, funny enough, when I did that play in high school, I was telling a story of refugees living in Buffalo, New York. And man, is that so much bigger 
than my little ego as an 18-year-old high school student wanting to be a good actor. What a simple shift from what do I look like to, hey, this is so much bigger than me. It's actually not about me. I am in service to a bigger story. Funny enough to have been in that play that told the stories of refugees, I'm now in a play, you know, 12 years later called Compared to What? It's by a playwright in Oakland, Judith Offer. And it's telling the story of the Pullman Porters, which was an occupation for black men in, shall I say, post-slavery America in the place set in the 1920s. And it tells the story of these men um, in this community navigating how intense the job was. And the arc of the story is the conversation around them forming the first labor union for black people in this country. And I juxtaposed am an Irish immigrant running the boarding house that they stay in. And so there's so much beauty to the story. But for me, same lesson I learned 12 years ago as, oh gosh, now a 30-year-old woman returning to acting. And this is my first play and I'm so nervous and I need to look good and my mom's watching it. Okay, all that's great and that can sit there. And gosh, it's not fully about me. It's about this story that I get to tell about this community, about our history in this country. And for me, man, that's so freeing. So yeah, when your attention isn't on you, you can't be in your head, you can't be insecure, you're not thinking, you're a part of something bigger, you're grounded in your place in it all, it's purposeful, you're contributing, not about you. It's a fun paradox. It's about me. I'm the actor and it's not about me. It's about the story. Here's lesson number five. Stay open to the unexpected. You never know what will pop up. I remember it was the last day of college and I had a film professor at the University of Rochester. I remember it was like the last lecture I had as a college student and I recorded it on my BlackBerry, if only I know where, knew where that is. I hope it's not in a landfill somewhere. Probably is. He talked about kind of, it's quite the juncture, right? You're finishing college. Oh, shit, I didn't figure out what I'm supposed to be when I grow up. That was me, for sure. And his thesis was stay open to what gives you traction in the short term. And the long term will take care of itself, which is a relief because I hate when someone asks me where I want to be in five years. I don't know the answer to that. And I don't think I want to. For me, with this return to acting in my late 20s, now at 30, that was so important. You know, in moments I was attached to a fixed idea of what it needs to look like. Oh, I need to quit everything and and move to New York and get, you know, audition, and maybe that's what will happen. I don't know. But what occurred to me is like, okay, short term, I want to take a class. I want to take another class. Ooh, yeah, I want to do this fun short film with my friend. Oh, wow, I, I can audition for a play. Here I am. I was driving home from the play on Sunday, 
And I was like, I had this big aha and I was so overwhelmed with emotion. It was like, holy shit, I'm doing the thing. Like three and a half years later, because man, patience is such a part of it. Here I am living this thing that I thought I would never get to. And it didn't need to look like quitting everything and moving and focusing on it day in and day out. It was like, let me pick up one piece of it at a time. And that adds up. And, and it was like, oh my God, it doesn't matter if it's a red carpet or whatever. It can be a beautiful community theater in the East Bay. And I'm living that thing that makes me feel the most alive. And I never would have expected it. The funny quick story is, and is part of my acting training, we got to learn accents. And, and my teacher, Melissa, was like, you'll pick any accent. I picked Irish. Who knows why? And I mastered the Irish accent. And a year later, a classmate of mine forwarded me an audition. And they were like, this play is looking for an Irish woman. And I was like, well, I'm available if you need me. And that's where it started. Stay open to what gives you traction in the short term. And the long term will take care of itself. And here's lesson number six. Your dreams matter. What you are passionate about matters. And what's in your heart matters. It may be hard to look at. And I think it's true. Like once you look at it, (laughs) you can't look away. Brene Brown says something I love. She says, we stay busy enough so that the truths of our lives don't catch up with us. And for me, it was like once I looked at, oh shit, this thing I let go of a decade ago was what made me feel the most alive and the most full of purpose. Okay, I can sit here and mope about it, which I've done plenty of, I I promise you that. Or I can take one bite out of it and maybe make a fool of myself. But man, it doesn't matter when you feel that alive. When we were opening the play a couple weeks ago, it all came up for me. Like the week of, I was nervous about us being ready, me being ready. And I started to think, maybe I'll tell my friends not to come. But man, they weren't there to see me perfect it. They were there to see me do it and to step into it. And so maybe there's, it'll take time to figure out what it is or what it was for you. And maybe you're living it already. And to that, I say, DM me on Instagram. I want to hear about it. (laughs) And maybe you're not sure what it is. And I think that's okay. It took me a while to come back to what it was. But know that you and your life is worth looking at it and revisiting it. I'm coming to learn, like I think, our most meaningful way to contribute in this lifetime lies in that thing that makes you feel the most alive. It's in your heart. It's in your gut already. You don't need to go find it. You need to allow it to come up and allow it to guide you because you know what it is. Nobody else does. And nobody else needs to approve of it. Only you. So I'll close by asking, what is it for you that is so uniquely beautiful to you that the world wants to see, that I want to see? If you need someone to show it to, let it be me. Number one, revisit what is in your heart. Let that define your hobbies. 
Number two, if you're going to be new at something, you have to be new at it. So flail famously. Number three, there's no room for comparison. It's your path, only yours. Number four, when your attention isn't on you, you can't be in your head. Stay grounded in who you're with and what it's for. Number five, stay open to the unexpected. You never know what doors will pop up. And number six, your dreams matter. What's in your heart matters. The world wants to see it. Maybe this weekend, do one little thing that would bring you closer to it. And until next time, thank you for joining. I'll be spending my weekend as Marahini in West Auckland in 1926. It's been lovely. I'll see you soon. Thank you for joining me today on The Truth Is. I hope today's episode has left you with a sense of strength and responsibility to trust your truth and tell your story. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can hit the subscribe and follow button or write us a review on Apple Podcasts or just share it with a friend or an enemy. I don't know. Share what you learned and love about this episode and connect with me on your Instagram at the truth is underscore underscore podcast. Yes, it's a double underscore. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That's all for now, folks. Namaste.